My name is Trip Borman, and in this episode of SMEA VC, I sit down with Antonio Nunez, founder and CEO of Instaly, a SaaS platform that powers on-demand logistics for leading grocery retailers. Prior to Instaly, Antonio was the co-founder of Mercadoni, a one-hour delivery groceries marketplace in Latin America. In this episode of SMEA VC, we discussed conquering last-mile delivery for logistics startups, the differences between working with customers in Latin America, US, and Europe, all regions that Instaleep covers, and Antonio's time working as a consultant at McKinsey, living in places like Lisbon, New Delhi, Kuala Lumpur, and Luanda. We discussed all this and more in this episode of SMIA VC. Antonio, could you start by telling the audience a little bit more about your work history up to and including your current role at Instaleep? So sounds good. Sounds good, Trip. So I'm, I'm originally Portuguese. I, I, I actually started my work life by starting an NGO, so completely outside normal corporate standards. And, and back then I was actually interested in working with entrepreneurs and, and I thought that working with entrepreneurs was a good way to promote uh, human development. So I, I, and I looked around at a bunch of NGOs, I didn't find any that actually was tackling the problem that thought, the way I thought should be tackled. So I actually started an NGO myself. So I started an NGO, went to Mozambique, got some sponsors, built a team, and that was actually my my first startup experience was just after graduating that that ngo eventually carried on through time now it's operating through different geographies in mozambique in Tome, which is a tiny little african country next to ghana and in timor which is a tiny asian country next to indonesia all of them portuguese speaking so it made a lot of sense with the kind of sponsors that i could get the teams that i, that I could hire so it was my my first actual work experience after that, eventually I had to uh, make money for myself. So I, I went back to Europe and I got a job at McKinsey. I, I worked as a consultant there. So they placed me in projects working with companies in, uh, in Europe, in uh, India, in Malaysia. Uh, so I did that for a while. Great experience, learned a lot about how to structure um, complex problem solving sets, how to communicate. And then eventually in 2011, I, I met a German founder called Oliver Samuer, which is the CEO and founder for Rocket Internet. And these guys, they were a, a weird mix of an investor slash company builder in Europe. Back in 2011, in a moment where very few people were actually investing in technology in the emerging markets. And they had this insight of basically taking successful technology business in the US and trying to replicate them across the world. Um, and, and I thought the idea was kind of cool, the idea of uh, using technology to uh, develop emerging markets. So I, I joined this guy first in Singapore, where we started a company called Zalora, which is an online fashion retailer. That company eventually grew to become the category leader in uh, fashion e-commerce. This was back in 2011, so back then there was well, e-commerce was very underdeveloped in Southeast Asia, so we, we got to, to set it up from scratch. The company became quite successful. Um, and then I really wanted to move to Latin America, and I wanted to live in Latin America for the long run. I, in general, I love emerging markets because I feel that everything is, is to be built. So there's, there's a bunch of infrastructure gaps, a bunch of stuff that doesn't work. But at the same time, people have real technology needs uh, and, and everything is to be built. So, um, but at the same time, I wanted something a little bit closer to Europe. So, so Latin America felt a little bit like that mix between an emerging market, but at the same time, somehow closer to home. And I came to this part of the world, to Bogota in 2012, 
where I founded a company called Lineo, uh, also with the backing of these rocket internet guys. And that was a leading, it is a leading marketplace in, in South America, business model similar to eBay, uh, eBay slash Amazon. Uh, and back in those days, and this was 2012, there was only Mercado Libre, very focused on classifieds, very focused on uh, C2C used stuff. And we wanted to build a big marketplace with amazing customer experience, working directly with brands. So we started that company. Um, I was one of the founders. So I was in charge of uh, marketing. I was the, the CMO. So my job was basically building up the customer acquisition machine across the different countries, which was initially Mexico, then Colombia, Peru, Venezuela, Chile, Argentina, and maybe another small one that I cannot remember. Um, but it was basically figuring out how the hell are we going to sell people stuff over the internet. A lot of them that just got into the internet recently, back in a time where there wasn't a developed e-commerce ecosystem. So it was a lot of fun. Um, actually, we got to be very cool stuff. Like we were the first big Facebook advertisers in South America. We were the first people in South America using mobile ads for Facebook, for example, and figuring out how to use meta products to do uh, mobile advertising, and get app downloads. Uh, we built the first television campaigns for e-commerce in some of the countries in South America, figuring out how to use an offline format such as TV to get people to buy online for the first time. So that was fun. We built up that company. We got it to some seven different countries around three, $400 million of GMV. And then we were approached by the largest retail group in Chile, which eventually ended up buying that company. So we sold it. Uh, and then uh, we were very, and then we were looking for what do we do next. And we started to become very interested in the grocery space. Um, and, uh, and, and mostly because it's a large category uh, where it's, it's something is very intimate as well because it's the food that you put on your family's house it's how you get your house to run with supplies uh, so it's something that's very recurring as well so that's very interesting from a uh, a business standpoint um, and we, we we just knew that the category was different it needed different technology and that's how we launched a new company that was called mercadoni a grocery delivery marketplace Eventually, that we figured out that the right model wasn't through marketplace, it was something else, and that pivoted into what today is Instaleep. So today I'm the founder and CEO for Instaleep. Instaleep is a SaaS platform that helps retailers across the world operate their e-commerce uh, in, a, in a better way. So making it more profitable and with more consistent delivery experience, very focused on the grocery and pharma side. Amazing. And so I saw that in Salip, you operate in Latin America, the US and Europe. How are the needs of supermarkets in these different regions different? And, and what are the unique challenges that they, they each face in these kind of different ecosystems? It's a, it's a great question. And actually, when we started the company, we, 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 we didn't know which geography would actually be working in. Uh, but what we did was we had a network because I had been living in this part of the world for a while working with supermarkets here. So we closed some of the largest here. We closed HEB, for example, in uh, which is a it's large Texas supermarket with a big operation in Mexico. That was actually our first client, fantastic retailer. And, and project went well, we're super happy. Then came a Chilean retailer uh, that, that looked for us and, 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 and we figured out, okay, 
uh, it looks like we have a market. And by the way, they need exactly the same stuff. Then we got a Peruvian one. Then we got a Colombian one. Um, and when we realized pretty much in most of Spanish Latin countries up from Mexico down to Chile were working with us. Two years ago, we, we, we looked at Brazil and we saw, oh, this is massive, we need to do this. By the way, I'm, I'm Portuguese, so I could speak the language and I, it's fairly easy for me to get into to what Brazil should mean. So we launched Brazil and that went pretty well. Uh, and then we actually got pulled by a European retailer in, in Portugal that from people that knew me and said, hey, it's super interesting what you guys are doing. It looks like the kinds of stuff that you solve, we have the same challenges. Should we have a chat? So we, we had a chat and, if, and then we closed the contract with the largest retail company in Portugal. And this was our first European client. Now we have operations in some six, seven European countries in Austria, Poland, Italy, Spain, Portugal. Uh, in May, we actually started operating our first store in Africa, in Kenya, uh, which was a, also a bit unexpected. Uh, but, but, but ultimately, what we've been seeing is that most retailers around the world have the same challenges. It's about how can they create very efficient operations where the same manpower hour can deliver as many throughput as possible without mistakes and in a very accurate way. And the challenges are very, very similar. Uh, it's just that certain markets have different maturity stages. So for example, we have clients that are very mature uh, in places like Austria and even in, a, in another country in South America where they actually have picking robots. So they, they don't use humans to fulfill the items, they use machines to do it. Our software enables that, uh, but that's a very advanced stage. Uh, and then there's other cases where, you know, you just have simple stores, very simple operation, like the one in Kenya, for example. But ultimately, um, we see success of very advanced markets with this exactly the same need all over the world. Amazing. And so could you tell a little bit more about, okay, I am a retailer and I call Instaleap proverbially and I want to use your services. What do they get? Because you gave me the one sentence before, but what does that really mean for the, the retailer? Yeah. Putting it very simple is think of it as a Instacart software, whatever they have in the backend, in a box offered under a SaaS business model to a retailer. The main reason why a retailer will typically want to work with us is because you've, you're frustrated that you've been working with marketplaces that take a huge commission, that start controlling your client and your data, uh, and you want to take control of your e-commerce channel. So you've probably been seeing as a retailer uh, sales growing up in the e-commerce channel over the past coming years uh, that has been driven by a massive digitalization of commerce, specifically in the groceries and pharma category. And you want to take control of the client relationship, the data, and you want to pay less commission. So that's typically the status quo. At the same time, you know, doing e-commerce for retailers and for grocers is very challenging. So you have complexity in the operation coming from, you have fresh items, you have frozen items, you have weightable stuff. So you have a banana and you, that needs to be weighed at some point. You have complex promotions. So it's, it's, it's a hard world in terms of uh, operations that needs to be enabled, that you want it to be flawless. You want it to be delivered on time without mistakes. Um, and at the same time, you don't have unlimited people to execute this, right? Because you have a limited amount of margin. So you want to make sure that whoever people are working on your e-commerce operation, 
they are uh, uh, extremely efficient and that you're not wasting anybody's time because that means that ultimately your e-commerce can become unprofitable. So this is the set of problems that we, we solve and the set of problems that retailers have before they, they get to work with us. Now on a more specific level, how does actually the, the product work? So there's two ways in which a retailer can work with us. One is, let's say you have your own app, your own e-commerce, and you want to solve everything that happen, happens afterwards. Just plug into an API and then our product will take care of it. What is taking care of it? We'll make sure that you're promising the right delivery time to your customers. So maybe, maybe sometimes it's in 30 minutes, maybe it's at 7 p.m. That'll be contextual to your, the order and to what's going on in, the, in your own operation in real time for every single user that gets into the checkout. We'll make sure we orchestrate the tasks that need to happen. So we'll make sure that you do your picking, uh, that we optimize the picking routes, that we allocate it to the right store or dark store. We'll make sure that the right driver will get to do it. So whether it's a truck with routing or whether it's a very express fast delivery or an external delivery fleet, we'll make sure that that those tasks get allocated. And if anything goes wrong along the process, we have software that helps correct back to the optimal stage and we inform back to the end user. So this is in a, in a, in a long form, kind of in a short form sort of what, what our product does. Amazing. And could you tell a little bit more about the last mile component? Because I saw you guys deliver world, you help the clients deliver world-class last mile experiences. What are the issues with last mile and how do you guys like, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit, how do you guys solve them? So we, we tend to have a view on last mile that last mile starts at the checkout when you deliver how fast you can get something. Uh, the second part of it is the fulfillment or picking and the third part is the actual transportation or the delivery side. Uh, we, we help all across this, this chain. Um, on the delivery side, there's different ways in which uh, you can do that. So uh, it, it can happen with your own delivery trucks, your own delivery operators that work for you or, or a transportation company in your region that is that is um, uh, providing the stuff, you give them our app that allows them to actually uh, run their tasks, be it on the delivery side or on the picking side. Another alternative that we actually help on the delivery side is sometimes companies want to work with DoorDash or UberDirect or whatever delivery providers available in your own uh, city or, or state. Uh, so we, we allow them all to be plugged into, into Instally. And in those cases, one of the biggest challenges that we're solving is the complexity, is the fact that you have hundreds of stores, uh, hundreds of delivery resources. Some are in-house, some are an offline guy, some are a DoorDash uh, that you're delegating a task to. And all of it compounds to a significant amount of complexity that you still want to make sure you distill it into a low cost of operation and, and very good customer experience. And that's, that's ultimately our, our job. And so what sort of advice do you have to other founders who want to you know, work with logistics co companies that that's what they want to build, or they want to kind of have their SaaS product be intertwined with a very uh, maybe unsophisticated brick and mortar retailer, like what maybe a, a small supermarket chain would be? I think uh, I, I, there's, there's maybe two pieces of advice. They're probably not uh, fully encompassing, but there's two things that have really worked out for me in uh, trying to work in this space. One is have a very clear vision of how it should look like. Don't, don't 
let yourself be dragged into what one retailer or one big company says it's the way they want to run something if you run that way and you're on the enterprise business and you're working with retailers you're going to be dragged down into in my opinion nowhere you need to have your own view of how should the process work how should logistics work at scale for the category you're operating in so that's been something that, that has been very very important for us um, and then sticking to that vision and then, and then some retailers, maybe they don't buy your vision and they want something completely different, but you cannot be going swinging between different visions. You need to have your own vision, iterate and learn on it, but, but stick to the vision before uh, just going after specific projects with specific retailers. The second thing that I would say is try to be smart about choosing some problems, even if they're small or they're a subset of the whole big vision. Uh, and really nail them to the end. I think these are two things that I think we've done pretty well and, 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 and I would highly advise other people to maybe try and, and see if it works for them. And so you lived in San Francisco at some point. Uh, I'm from San Francisco, so I wanna know what are your thoughts on San Francisco? And then you've spent time in all these different places. Uh, you spent time in Lisbon, New Delhi, Kuala Lumpur, Luanda. I mean, I, I don't think anybody has had this sort of global experience that you have. So tell us a little bit more about that. Tell us a little bit more about San Francisco, where and where are you right now? Yeah. Uh, no, I lived in San Francisco for, for two years uh, until pretty much until COVID hit. Uh, I loved it. I think it's an amazing city, amazing ecosystem. Uh, it reminds me actually a lot. I'm, I was born in Lisbon and I, my family's Portuguese. So there's the best part of Lisbon is San Francisco reminds me a lot of the, a lot of it, the sun, the, the even like the bridge, things, the, the bridge, exactly the <laughs> bridge. So it reminds me a lot of it uh, about it. Kind of the there's a bit of a Mediterranean somehow uh, vibe that that it feels exactly the same. But I mean, I obviously the ecosystem is fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of people that that are doing very good stuff. They're operating at a very high standard, and I think it's very inspirational to be in uh, to be in San Francisco. Um, you know, for sure, like you've heard this a million times. The flip side is sometimes it feels a bit self-centered, and we're all kind of in the same mindset and thinking the same ways. Uh, and it helps to sometimes get out and figure out that well, we have our you know we're we're, we're in San Francisco, people are operating a very high standard, but there's amazing people doing great stuff out there as well uh, there's other realities of the world that have big problems that can be solved with technology as well um and uh and 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 jumping a bit out of the bubble sometimes uh, helps a lot uh, staying staying grounded amazing and so then i want to hear more, more about your time at mckinsey living in lisbon new delhi kuala lumpur and luanda because i i quite quite the quite the group there yeah, I mean, I, I, so my story with McKinsey was when I graduated um, and, and after I was doing the, the, the NGO, I wanted a moment in my career where I could learn from people that, uh, you know, knew certain, a, a bunch of skill set that I thought was, was interesting. And, and back then, uh, a lot of people were working, were working either for consulting companies or for investment banks. I think things changed a lot since then, uh, but back then that was those those were kind of seen as the best schools for you to get a foundation out of which you could decide to go uh, afterwards. 
so, so that was the main reason. It was a great experience. Learned a lot. I, I did it in Lisbon. I did it in, in, in Delhi, in Kuala Lumpur. Um, and all the projects were very different. The cultures were also very different uh, between, between all of them. Um, learned a lot about communication, learned a lot about problem solving. I think uh, ultimately, I think it was a very good uh, part of my career as well. Amazing. And so you mentioned Mercadoni. How did, tell us the whole story there and how that kind of played into InstaLeave. Yeah, so, so actually Mercadoni is what I would say is what was the embryo of what today's InstaLeave is and is what allowed us to learn about the category. Um, it was born out of trying to crack the groceries category. And our first approach was basically seeing um, grocers need help in, in going online. And our approach was, yeah, let's just launch a grocery delivery marketplace. We get a bunch of different stores. We put them in an app. You get into the app. You choose the products that you want, and you get in, in them in your house in, in one hour. Um, that is a business model that is extremely challenging as a business model to scale because you need a lot of cash. It's very cash intensive in terms of customer acquisition, in terms of subsidization of logistics costs while you're subscale. Um, so it's, it's challenging to grow in that market, but, but at the same time, it was what allowed us to deeply learn about the category. Uh, the reason why today we're able to uh, build software on a SaaS business model for retailers, and I think we're quite successful at it, is because at some point we had to get the stuff delivered ourselves. We had to crack, how do I build an app where I don't have any assets, I don't have anything, I just have a space to have technology, that technology needs to sell, and it needs to provide the infrastructure for fulfillment, delivery, et cetera. And by learning what was actually required that created a knowledge of the problem and allowed us to create the same vision that I told you a while back on what's our vision for what great uh, grocery delivery looks like that then we made it into a SaaS business model. Eventually it, it pivoted, uh, but, uh, but, but I'm super, I, I feel we're super thankful for having had the chance to actually operate it first, learn what, what it should look like and then uh, change business model. And, and I want to ask a very broad question now, and I'm excited to see where you take this, and it doesn't have to be career-related at all. What are you most excited about right now? Great question. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, one of the things that we're very excited internally is um, we ultimately believe that the grocery retail category, which is the first one we, we, we worked on, being something so big is, uh, uh, is going to be very changed by technology. There's different types of projects, pro products with different applications that, that can be done. I mean, obviously the very obvious one, AI applications, the, uh, the one that everybody's talking about. It's, um, there's more than the, the high level concept. I like the applications of what you can do with it. Our business, because it's a very operations intensive, it's about how you adjust multiple tasks happening at the same time between multiple people in many time, in, in, in May, at, May, uh, at the same time. There's a lot of AI that can be deployed into, into what we're doing. So that's one area where we're very focused on figuring out where are the specific applications where we can get most value out of, out of the technology at the moment. Okay, so finally, I have to ask Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question with uniquely Samia VC twist. What important truth about Latin America 
do very few people agree with you on? Good, uh, good, uh, good question. Um, look, I, 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 I don't know how contrary it is, but I, I, I there's one thing I believe a lot, which is uh, there's even in markets where fundamentally a lot of the infrastructure still doesn't exist, even where a lot of things are broken in to be built, technology can have a disproportionate effect in people's lives and in, uh, um, and in business. So I, I believe this very deeply. Um, uh, there's people that a lot in the marketing know technology is a, is a first world problem. It, it comes much later on. Uh, you know, there's so many things that can just be built with, uh, uh, you know, more rudimentary solutions. I, I don't necessarily believe that. I think that you can deploy technology in, in emerging markets in Latin America and have tremendous one business outcomes to uh, leap forwards in in uh, in, uh, in, uh, in in operations and in, in anything that you're doing. Amazing. Okay. Well, Antonio, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the SME VC podcast today. I very much appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Trip. Thank you for watching this episode of Samia VC. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you view the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Gorman Trip. And be sure to check out our newsletter, DealFlow LA, which can be found by going to dealflow.la.